Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes Today. Our special guest is three-time medalist, two-time gold medalist, Cami Craig of Women's USA Water Polo. Cami is an amazing person with an amazing bubbly personality. She was fantastic to have on. Not only that, though, her story is incredible, overcoming um, educational disadvantages, overcoming people being against her, overcoming a lot, a lot, a lot of things, and eventually not only making the team, making the Olympics three times, gold medaling twice. The the silver medal in there is the story is heartbreaking to say the least. It's also incredible um, from the other team's point of view, but from our team's point of view, it is very heartbreaking. But that is also what fueled the next two gold medal runs. So I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. Cami Craig again an amazing person. She was so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful episode. All right. Another beautiful, wonderful episode with Cami Craig, USA water polo, three time Olympic athletes. Incredible. Born July 21st, 1987 in San Luis Obispo, California. Cami attended Santa Barbara high school. And at the time she was playing on her varsity high school team. She was also on the junior national team. That was from 03 to 05. She then played at the real University of Southern California, USC, graduating in 2010. She played for three Olympic teams, as I said, winning silver in 08, gold in 12, and gold in 16. And as of this recording, Cammy retired about, what, like a week? A week and change ago, um, which is super cool. So we'll probably get this one out as soon as possible. But Cammy, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Ah, thanks for having me. No, no, no. Thank you for everything you do. I'm just here clicking record and talking a little bit. So I'm having a blast. But Cammy, um, as I told you, that's a super boring intro. Would you mind giving us a little bit more insight into your story and your life? Yeah, definitely. I, like you said, this is pretty awesome timing in regards to my recent retirement. So there's been a lot of reflection and you know, just turning 31 and playing sports my whole life, there, there's quite a story that goes along with this. But uh, like you said, born in San Luis Obispo and raised in San Inez, California. It's a little country town just inland from Santa Barbara. And there was a lot of cowboys, horses, and hay growing up here. Um, I uh, have two parents that were born and raised 20 minutes from San Inez. And uh, I had no athletes in my family and um, I had a lot of energy as a kid and school went ahead and, you know, did some testing on me and it, you know, it come to find that I had dyslexia, uh, ADD and hyperactivity and they went ahead and they filled out a, a little form and handed it to my mom and said, you should probably take your kid to the doctor. They can help you with some solutions to calm your kid down. Um, and so my mom did just that, took me to the doctor and we left with a prescription for Ritalin and came back to the house. And my mom, you know, looked at me, looked at the bottle, looked back at me, opened up the bottle and poured the entire bottle down the sink. And in that day, she changed the entire direction of my life because she was committed to find whatever my release and balance was going to be. And it wasn't soon after that that I was in a pool at the age of three and four learning the basics of swimming. And then after that, five and on in competitive swimming. Uh, middle school, I was fortunate enough to play, you know, volleyball, basketball, softball, while always maintaining 
the, the swimming, right? Always in a pool. And then eventually got introduced to water polo around the age of 12. Um, the little swim team that was in my town left. And one of the boys that I grew up swimming with said, you have to try water polo. You're going to love it. Um, and being out of the water too long at that point, you know, it, it had been a few months going on a year of not having swim swim team happening. And I, I had to get back in the water. I mean, for me, I, like I said, I played all these sports, but the water has always been a safe place and a sanctuary for me. It was a place where I could be loud. I could be full of energy. I could be aggressive, you know, all these things that I was kind of put down in the classroom for um, was celebrated in the pool and allowed me to have the space to do that. So, um, sure, let's do it. So I started driving an hour to practice and an hour back from practice and having parents that were committed to that, even not having that athletic background, right. You know, knowing that this is what my kid wants to do, we'll make it happen. Um, and that was really the beginning of my journey in water polo. And it was this blend of basketball and swimming. And I was most comfortable in the pool. So, you know, it was an easy basketball season in high school or water polo in high school was like water polo, of course, in a bathing suit in the water. Um, and that was really the beginning of the entire journey. That is incredible. I mean, let's go back to the beginning where you're with your mom throwing away the the medicine. I mean, that was what the early late '80s, early '90s. That was kind of like the height of Ritalin and 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 I mean, now with Adderall and all that stuff. I don't agree with it because we never needed it before. You know, all the people that were like amazing thinkers and all the people that really were were trying to do so much, it was looked at as bad now. Like. No, nah, they were they were just super smart dudes back then. They were super smart guys and girls back then. And now it's like, no, 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 you talk too much. It's like, so why is that a problem? You're, you're too energetic. Okay. And so I think it's awesome that your parents were able to find a couple avenues for you to get that out um, without having to medicate you. Now, obviously, people need it. People need it. There's nothing I can, you know, obviously, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But it's never been something that I've been, you know, it never really made sense to me, um, even from a young age. But now, I mean, clearly it worked out for you not taking it and you know shout out to your mom we appreciate that um and you know hey now we got this three-time olympian in front of us so i think that's super cool and and with every single one of these stories and i love hearing it, i love saying there's always one particular moment or or one random occurrence or just something that could have easily went another way but it didn't and this you know now we now we have someone that represents our country or as we'll get to someone that um former representation of our you're still representing but we'll, we'll we'll get to that portion of the story so that is incredible so then you get into the pool you love water polo I mean how in the beginning like I still don't really understand what's going on I just watch it because I think it's super cool once every four years I wish there was more opportunity to watch it more often um, but like how do you transition to that was it just like oh I get to be in the pool oh and it's kind of like basketball let's do it like how exactly did that work and and when did the passion and the drive really start for you? Was it at that young of an age? Yeah. So I think there with water polo, if you have a base comfortability with the water and obviously I was an athlete, you know, I had been around basketball, softball, volleyball, these other sports. And so, you know, it, it was a natural transition. Was it easy? No. Was it natural? Yes. You know? Um, and I had that comfortability and that base in the water. So that's where it all stems from. I think when you jump into the pool for the first time and you're trying to play water polo, it can be quite intimidating because not only do you have the water factor going on, which is 
can be intimidating in itself. Now you have someone that's climbing all over you and trying to push you underwater. So if you're used to, you know, that relationship with the water, then, okay, it's going to be a lot smoother transition. And so that's, you know, constantly what I'm sharing with parents or young athletes. If I want to get into water polo, what, I, what, what should I do? How should I do it? First, start by getting in the pool and build that base and swimming and that comfortability. It's going to make your transition a lot, a lot easier. I believe it. And actually, now that I think about it, could you give us, I guess, like a, a nice, give us a base rundown of exactly how water polo works? Because again, I'll watch it every time it's on the Olympics, but I really don't know what's going on. And I'm sorry about that. Um, but could you get, could you educate us a little bit? Yeah. And I think, you know, if you are from California, you have been exposed to water polo in one way or another. I mean, California is the mecca of water polo and we're doing our very best to grow our sport. You know, I've been a part of some amazing clinics in Utah, Texas, Oregon, you know, things like that, where we're trying to bring the sport to the younger generation there and build it. But if I were to explain water polo to someone who hasn't seen it before, I think it's the perfect blend of soccer and basketball. So you're going to have a counter attack. You're moving the ball up and down the pool you're passing, you're working together as a team and kind of having that synergy and flow. Um, and then if you have seen rugby or wrestling, you're going to have that same physicality of being able to really rough up your opponent, get into your opponent, have that physicality, which you're not going to see as much with soccer and basketball, but really that hands-on in rugby and wrestling and then obviously the swimming aspect. And so it's kind of a blend of all of that. And I, you know, what's interesting, much like rugby, all we have is our bathing suit and we wear a cap with ear cups over to protect our ears. Um, some athletes choose to wear mouth guards, some don't, and that's it. And you're just going for it. Um, and, you know, everyone says, wow, water polo is such a physical sport, which I think is part of the draw of watching it. It's entertaining because it is physical it's fast, it's in your face. Um, but people say, how do you, how do you play such a physical sport? And it's like anything you show up to the first day of practice and you decide, can I handle this chick crawling up my suit and pushing me underwater or can I not? Yeah, I can do this. Let's go. <laughs> and then the rest becomes history in regards to that. You just kind of accept and then start applying your learnings to it. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, I don't think that's something I could do. And that's why we have people like you and not people like me playing that sport. So I appreciate it. Um, but that, that's cool. Thank you very much for that. That breakdown definitely makes a little bit more sense now um, as you, as you use, I guess, more, I don't want to say traditional, but more watched sports, more viewed sports to kind of draw from and really get a good understanding from. So that's pretty cool. So you are playing. So you go and you play in Santa Barbara, which I read a little bit about and is a, call it a hotbed of water polo players and so you make it onto the Santa Barbara high school varsity team and at that time you then are also on the junior national team what what is that a very I don't want to say super common but is that a common occurrence either in that specific place or like California in general when you're at an elite level in high school they kind of start pushing you to the junior national team or is that something that happened with you just because of of your skill set and what you've been able to do in the pool yeah, I would definitely just to speak to the community in Santa Barbara, the water polo community, you know, it is a fantastic one. It is a dominant one. And we are producing some incredible athletes out of Santa Barbara. Um, 
when I kind of rewind and think back back to my story again, I was I was going to San Inez High School initially mm-hmm. and uh, competing and playing there, but I was struggling with my learning disabilities again in a position where. I was having to have to make some decisions and have these community, like open conversations with my parents, but I wasn't getting the support I needed from the resource program, which is what you would, you know, have if you have learning disabilities and, uh, our classes were two hour block schedules and I found myself starting to get off track. And I remember looking at my mom and saying, either you move me or you lose me because I'm starting to drown here. And I'm not getting the support that I need to be successful in the classroom and I'm struggling. So, you know, we sat down as a family and really tried to figure out how we were going to do this. Danny and Ez, not so happy that we're leaving, made it as difficult as they possibly could for us to offboard from here, um, which led to our family moving actually to Santa Barbara so that I could not only attend a school within that district, but also play water polo because they're trying to make it so that I would not be able to play water polo ever again in high school because they were so frustrated, right? But missing the bigger picture here, I needed support. I needed support in regards to getting the grades to do the things that I wanted to do in the future. And again, I don't have athletes in my family. We weren't positioning myself to be the next, you know, LeBron James or the next Olympian or the next best collegiate water polo player. You know, my parents also did not attend or graduate college. We didn't even, we didn't have the foresight. We were just totally naive and we were living in the moment of like what was going to be the best for me as a student and an athlete right then and there. Eventually missing my sophomore year, I didn't play water polo my sophomore year. I got to Santa Barbara and was getting more of the support that I needed and playing great water polo and surrounded by a great water polo community. So I think back about, okay, The school did a fantastic job in supporting me. I did my job in regards to being a student. And then the community was just opportunity to the max. Not only was I training with my high school team, but the club pools now were not an hour away, yet 10 minutes away. And I could jump in with the 18 under boys, the 16 under boys, because they all had programs. And then I would drive out to the old UCSB pool and jump in the pool with all the masters. So I was pushing dads around to get stronger and just to be in the water. Like, you know, all these younger kids are, how do I, how do I get better at water polo? I'm like, be in the water as much as you possibly can. Like you couldn't pay me to miss a practice. If there was some water polo going on, which there always is in Santa Barbara, I was in that pool asking coaches if I could get in asking if I could play with their athletes. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Jumping into whatever water I could find. And I would leave at six in the morning and I'd come back around 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. And my mom knew I was in some pool somewhere in Santa Barbara playing water polo, maybe against dads, maybe against my own girls, maybe against the 1600 boys, but I was there. Um, And so really opportunity in, in Santa Barbara. But I think, you know, people often think I I transferred because of water polo or, you know, that it was all about getting games in the sport, but really it was about surviving and graduating high school. And I've had the teachers say, you'll never graduate high school. You'll never play water polo in college. You'll never get into a college. You never graduate college, you know, beyond that. And it was really 
you know, it was, it's really interesting to see how this all kind of fell into place and the support that my parents were able to provide me with the lack of experience. And it was just kind of like, we were this team of three just grinding and just each challenge or adversity that popped up, we found a solution and we just kept moving. That's incredible. I mean, if this isn't like the best example of ignorance is bliss, like I don't know what is. Like you guys didn't, your your parents had literally no idea. As you said, they were not college graduates. Um, you were not doing this because you were trying to position yourself. It was just like, hey, I need help with school and it would be cool if I could keep playing, you know, this thing that I really, really enjoy playing. Um, so it just sounds like the, the, the perfect storm almost of really not knowing as you, you're the word you use naive, like you were just like, Hey, like, I, and let's start with two hour blocks for a 16, 15, 16, 17 year old kid. That's insane. I never had to do that. But like thinking of that, I know people that did and like, they would, they would say like after like 40 minutes of class, everyone was checked out and nothing would happen. And, and that's, people without learning disabilities that's people not not in your situation just normal like quote-unquote normal kids like I wouldn't be able to do that that's ridiculous so I mean it's it's definitely um you know again perfect storm of just opportunity striking at the right time obviously it's not very um genuine not genuine but it doesn't sound very great of what your previous high school did it doesn't sound that awesome of your teachers to tell you that you're not going to be able to graduate high school to me teachers should be helping our youth not really putting us down but that's a whole nother conversation um so it's just it's pretty incredible that you were able to kind of come out of this fire stronger you know phoenix rising from the ashes kind of thing and just being able to come up and and then <laughs> and then going and really as you said really if there was a pool and someone was playing water polo it doesn't matter if it's dads doesn't matter if it's 16 year old boys whatever it was you were there and i love how you say like you know people talk to you and ask you all the time how do i get better at water polo so, well you literally just keep playing water polo you know it's one of those things this isn't rocket science um you know you just keep doing it you practice better practice against better competition and and uh you know maybe you'll be the next cammy craig we'll see you know cross our fingers um obviously there'll never be another one of you but it'll be kind of cool maybe someone else can come along one of these days and uh, that would be pretty incredible so that i mean that story is just that is ridiculous some of the things that you've had to go through um something tells me we're not finished with the story yet i'm sure there's a couple other things along the way so if you just want to pick back up i'll stop talking and asking questions and i mean you're the star of the show anyway right Okay. No, and I think, I, I don't know, just kind of the ideas or the thoughts that came up while you're speaking is, one, we I always grasped and my family grasped so hard to sport because without it, then I was falling into this space that wasn't supported. I mean, like sports was my medication, as we talked about early on. And Literally. Absolutely. It was my prescribed medication. It was like, it wasn't going to be Ritalin it's going to be swimming. And, you know, we touched a little bit earlier on about, you know, there are options. Maybe, you know, medication is going to be the best for someone, but it wasn't going to be the best for me. And so I, you know, I am very sensitive to, you know, people have these choices to make and they, you know, do what's best for them. And I think at the end of the day, my mom was like, I don't want to change my kid's personality. I don't want you know, her to kind of have to fight this medication and work through this, let's just pour that into the pool. And I think that's why that has always been a consistent throughout this whole process, you know, um, and it, 
you know, there's at times where it seemed that we placed emphasis on sports, but because it was, it was my livelihood. It was where I was getting positive feedback. It was where I could feel like my, myself. And when you are being acknowledged positively and you can be your true self and feel comfortable in your own skin, especially in these teen age and any time in your life, I'm not going to even put like an age range on it because if you're feeling this way, you're going to be doing good things in your life. You're going to be affecting people around you positively and you're going to be living your fullest, you know? And so that's why that had always been a consistent. Um, and then it was kind of like, we as a family and myself started setting all these little goals and it was like, okay, we'll try out for the youth team, you, you know, and there's a series of tryouts and you go through it. And then, you know, I would get cut from the youth team and then I'd go back and say, okay, I want to try to make the youth team. And then it was like, I want to be, you know, not only want to make the youth team, but I want to be the starting center. And it was all these little things. And it was like, well, let's see how far we can take it, you know, and mom and dad will we'll drive you there. We'll make sure you have the right bathing suits. And, you know, and then it was like, well, maybe I'll get asked to, you know, try out for the junior team. And then I just want to make the junior team. Okay. I just want to be the starting center on the junior team. And it's like, Oh, now we're looking at the senior team, you know, which is eventually the Olympic team. And I think, um, it was all these microscopic goals that led to these bigger goals or the bigger picture that put me in the position to compete on the 18 and under national team, the 20 and under national team, and eventually the Olympic team. And, um, you know, people said, you know, did you always want to be an Olympian? And it, I don't specifically remember thinking I wanted to be an Olympian, but I constantly as a kid was playing around the house, you know, and shooting the, the buzzer beater hoop or, you know, hitting the volleyball against the side of the house and, you know, getting the dig at the end of the game or like literally rollerblading down my steep driveway, like slope skiing onto the grass and being like, I always celebrated these big moments all in my backyard. I always put myself in these high quote unquote pressure situations and celebrated this, like, you know, just getting it done these big moments and so maybe I didn't correlate it directly to the Olympics but I always wanted to be standing on top of the podium I always wanted the crowd roaring and I always wanted to be in these tight high pressure situations getting the job done I love it mine um was bottom of the ninth bases loaded two outs um and I'd catch the catch the the pop fly through to myself but it was a batter who hit it don't worry you know eight-year-old Mike will tell you um but no that is that is so true and and you know, I don't like to, I mean, I do because it's, it's still an important question, but I mean, most people don't, I mean, I don't want to say most, but a lot of Olympians don't grow up and be like, I want to be an Olympian. Like it's not, it's usually not the number one thought they have because many Olympians are coming from sports where the competition is just so wide around the country and it's difficult to grasp, grasp your head around like, oh, I'm one of the best like three at something because most sports, especially individual ones, we can't take our top 20 athletes. We can only take the top two, the top three, even in team sports, you're not taking the top five or six in certain positions. You're taking the top one or two. Um, so, you know, being an Olympian is, is an unbelievable honor and, and becoming one of the best in the country, let alone the world as something is absolutely incredible. So I can understand how it sounds like you really wanted the pressure of um, kind of compete. It sounds like you just wanted to compete, be, have the pressure of these giant moments and then coming through, which obviously did a couple times now. Um, so like it, 
when was the realization of becoming an Olympic athlete? Because I feel like that's a more legitimate question. Because at one point, you're just like, as you said, you're making all these small goals. And that's the best way to do it daily goals and just get to where you need to on a, uh, you know, so that you can reach your further goal. But at what point were you like, wait, okay, so maybe I can make the senior team and actually go to the Olympics? At what point did that kind of click for you and your family? Sure. I, two stories come to mind in regards to this moment for myself and my family, but, um, in the days of desktops, <laughs> we received an email from the junior team coach saying that I had made the junior team. And I remember, you know, we were all sitting around the desktop, my mom, my dad, and me, and we were read, my dad was reading the email aloud to us. And he turned around and he said, you may have the chance to go to the Olympics one day. And I remember us all just sitting there kind of like, whoa. <laughs> and then how old were you at this point? Uh, I was a junior in high school. So 16. Wow. That's um, right. So, and you know, and it was never, it never was like, there was never pressure around it. It was always so, you know, it was scary. I was terrified, but it was always exciting. It was always, you might, have the chance to do this little girl, like go do it. Like it, it was just, there was no, my parents never pushed. They only supported. They didn't know how to push. So it was like, just make sure she's fed, make sure she's happy, make sure she's sleeping, make sure she's balanced, you know, these things. And it was the best thing that they could have done for me in this position. And it was like, the pressure was whatever I put on myself. And more than anything, it was just exciting, terrifying and fun. Cause you're running with it. And you're like in these positions and you're like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Can I, you know, like, it's just, it's just exciting. It's just exciting. And, um, so that was like one where, you know, my dad and my parents kind of came up with this thought, like maybe this could be possible. And, uh, the second story that really solidified, you know, the fact that I was nipping at the heels of potentially being on the senior team was I had just finished high school practice and, um, I, had, I walked into my front door and I was turning the corner into the kitchen and my mom was standing in the kitchen and she goes, Guy Baker, who was the head um, coach of the national team at the time. She goes, Guy Baker called you. And I was like, yeah. And then, you know, Oprah Winfrey's coming for dinner. Like, sure. And she goes, no, Guy Baker called you and left a message. And she hits play in the answering machine and his voice starts to kind of flood the room that I'm standing in. And I'm like frozen. And it's something along the lines like, hi, this is Guy. We're playing a series of games we have a few injuries. We'd like you to come out and practice a few practices with us and play in maybe one or two games, depending on how, you know, the numbers fall. And I immediately like burst into tears. I'm like, I can't do this. There's no way this is impossible. You know, I'm this like junior in high school and they want me to come train with the national team. And the national team was like, four weeks or sorry, four months, four to three months away from going to the 2004 Olympic games, heading out to Athens. And so they're like in the shape of their life, just dominating. Right. Um, and I just thought there's no way I could do this. And of course, you know, my mom's like, of course you're going to do this. Let me shove you in the car. I'm driving you down to the practice. Let's go. Um, survive the trainings survived both the games and in the second game against Russia, I will remember forever scoring my first goal on the national team. 
entry pass from one, nice snap to the ball, good layout, finish, low skip, uh, near side. And it's like, those are the things, I mean, this is where it all, these are the little motivations along the way of getting to where you want to want to go eventually. So that's too cool, man. I love that. That is such a, I mean, those, both of those, that is just so awesome. 16 year old, you just sitting down, hanging out your dad. I, I can kind of picture it too. Like when you used to have the computer in like the living room, cause you really didn't know where to put it. And it's like, Oh, we got the internet. Like let's check this every once in a while. So like he's on it and he gets the email and actually turns to you and says it, you and your mom and says that that is just so cool. And then a couple years later, a year later, whatever it is, um, and you getting the opportunity to to play on the team. I was actually going to ask, do you remember or slash have the uh, the voicemail saved um, by any chance? But this was probably on like those old school answering machines and it probably didn't work half the time anyway. So you're lucky you even got the message if we're being honest. But that is just, oh man, that is just too cool. And like, I love how these little things are so vivid in your memory and we're able to kind of like get in and actually see what it was like um, from your point of view. I mean, this is what, 15, 14 years ago now. That's just incredible. Yeah, definitely. I definitely. love it. So, so you're on the junior team. You get the opportunity to play on the the national team. Um, you score a goal. That is incredible. I mean, did you ever think that was even possible? Even at, when you were on the junior team, did you even think like, oh, like maybe one of these days, you know, I will have. I mean, obviously, because you did your your father with that email and everything. But like, what were those emotions like? I mean, you must have been running wild. I mean, you're in the pool with these what? girls ranging from the age of 20 something to upper 20s i mean look at yourself now um so like what at 16 17 like what like were you just deer in the headlights the whole time wide-eyed bushy-tailed were you like super focused like how did how did all that go down and what was it like in 2004 <laughs> why like terrified just absolutely terrified and i'm surprised that i can even remember <laughs> you know my experience through that but i and i do remember a lot of details from it but i was you know i was terrified and just got in the water and did what i was trained to do you know that's all you can do at that point is rely on your preparation leading up to that time and um you know it was it was overwhelming you know it just you didn't you didn't know anyone you didn't know how it was gonna go and you know, had I dreamt or had I visualized or seen myself doing that? No, it was just kind of like you showed up and it was, it was all happening and you just were like responding. It's really interesting. But, um, this is all around the same time, you know, getting the email and then getting the opportunity, but also the junior team had showed up to the Olympic training site and the girls were training for, you know, for Athens. And this was prior to me getting the opportunity to compete with them but we're sitting in the corner and the junior team coach says, all right, girls, they're the Olympic teams practice is running a little bit long. So I want you girls to jump in the pool and start warming up behind the cage. And so we did just that. And they're still scrimmaging, you know, in, in the main area of the pool and we're warming up behind the cage. And I remember stopping on the wall, like after a few laps and just like hanging onto the gutter and looking out into the pool and thinking, holy cow like not only are they moving the way they're moving they are they're a way a level high above but i think what stood out the most to me not their athleticism their their skills or their fundamentals but the way in which that they were training together and they were so focused and so locked in 
I mean, a meteor could have landed on the pool deck and they would have never even known. And the way that they were flowing together and communicating and making those connections. And it was like, I was on, like sitting on the wall, looking at it as if I was watching a movie and I was just in awe. And in that moment, I thought, man, if only just a little bit of their Olympicness could wash off on me in this moment, I would be the happiest girl in the world. And it's what's cool about that moment and staring out in the pool and wanting, you know, these girls being real life role models, real life inspirations, and they're creating this dream in my mind for me as I'm watching them do what they do. I got to compete with three of the girls in that pool that day in the following 2008 Olympics. And, and I just never, I would have never in that moment have dreamt of that, but they got me there or one step closer through how the, they were handling themselves, represented themselves and doing simply what they do best. That's awesome. Yeah. That's definitely one of those moments, um, almost out of body experience kind of thing where you're, 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 you're telling us the moment from your point of view, but it sounds like you're projecting it from like almost behind you. You can see yourself hanging on the gutter. You could see yourself staring and seeing exactly how you're paying attention to them and what they're doing in the water. So I think that is, that is super cool. So not to, I mean, I guess this kind of almost flows in, flows in, look at me. Um, this kind of almost works together, but now that I'm kind of curious, like all this is happening, you're getting these amazing opportunities. You're still relatively young. I mean, you're a junior in high school and how are you dealing with all this extra stuff you have to do considering the how do I want to say it? the the educational disadvantages that you're put towards because you still have to graduate high school you still have to get your grades so you can play on some of these teams and, and still have to do what you need to do on that end so how are you kind of balancing all of these things you know all multiple of these things making sure you're in the pool enough and practicing making sure you have these amazing opportunities with the United States national team making sure that you're finishing high school because you do need to go to college and play in college as well. So how did you kind of deal with all this at once and make sure that you're able to excel enough in each of these areas? Preparation, time management and organization, having a great support group, surrounding myself with friends who had the same goals and same visions and wanted me to succeed. So not only did I set myself up for success, but my family was there to really help you know, catch anything that was overflowing. And then my friends just got it. You know, it was like, I was only going to surround myself with people who were not going to get in my way of where I potentially thought I could go or wanted to go. And I mean, I say like time management came down to literally day planners and bags packed the night before. And you know, thinking about the food being in the car so I could eat on the way. I mean, it's just setting yourself up for success so that you can get through these days and not be totally blown out. And, you know, I think about high schoolers today and how much they have on their plates, but really simply for them. And this is what I say to all of them as they get overwhelmed is your only job is to get in that classroom get the grades, work as hard as you can. And when you're on the field, the court or in the pool to just give it your all, the rest will be taken care of. Just go put a hundred percent into those two things. Don't worry about everything else, you know? Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I was just, you had to be incredibly organized and, you know, I don't know if people understand, but whatever took 
take the average time of a student and add time and a half. That's what it was taking me to get through assignments, what it was taking me to get through, you know, work in the classroom. So it's really interesting. I, I look back at my learning disabilities or even, you know, the, the adversity I was facing here in town and trying to get out, you know, and get to Santa Barbara high and get the support I needed. All of this created my work ethic, my grit and my endurance to simply roll into a pool and train six and a half hours a day, six days a week. And the idea of, you know, it's never a straight line with learning disabilities. You don't just blow straight through and get from point A to point B. I mean, there's a thousand routes I had to take. I had to be creative. I had to find solutions to every problem. Like you said, you got to graduate. There's no other choice. It's got to happen. It's not like I was off to the NBA or anything like that. I was playing water polo. Um, but there is just a ton, a ton of work, a ton of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, a ton of just sitting down, putting your head down and grinding through it. And this was all in the classroom. And so, like I said, when it was translated into the pool, it was like, oh, work hard doing what I love. You know, I had to work hard doing something I hated and that was classwork. I'm like, leave me here. See you in seven hours, whatever, you know? So I was like built this endurance and this work ethic and the grit was all built, you know, in from the age of four till, you know, until I really started mastering my learning disabilities and have, figuring out my best tools and how that worked, which didn't come till like end of college, you know? Um, so of course, when you needed them most, right? I'm like, I think I got this figured out. <laughs> like, now I'm going to graduate college. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, that's usually how it works out. But clearly it was, um, again, what might have been looked at as a disadvantage early was clearly an extreme advantage now when we look back on it because it gave you, as you said, grit, one of my favorite words, the hard work, the effort that was needed and something that you hated then came so unbelievably unbelievably easy in something that you loved. Um, so I just think that it's super cool on, on how you, your perspective on it and what you've been able to kind of get out of that. Um, you're able to flip it 180 and just take so much advantage of it. And I think that's super cool and super amazing. So thank you so much for this part of your story. And now we get to get to the, the, the part where you get to compete nationally. We, we heard about your first goal. So in 2004 now now let's advance a little bit so in 2004 you then graduate college and you go to the real usc what what was the because i'm assuming again southern california right around i'm not the uh, biggest geography buff on southern california but i'm assuming it's not crazy far from santa barbara right so the 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 water polo scene is still very hot. It's still very big down there so i'm assuming usc is one of the better schools in the country uh without really doing too much research on that part of it. So tell us about your time at USC and obviously what happened during your time at USC and how making the next Olympics and actually being able to, to play second there. Right. So I graduated uh, high school in 05 and I was on track to train and try to earn a position for the 08 Olympic team. So here I am. I, you know, get recruited to go to a few schools. I land on USC. I'm pumped up about it. I'm stoked to be a student. I get there and I'm thinking like, maybe everyone's right. Maybe I shouldn't be in college. Maybe this isn't for me. I'm again, terrified out of my comfort zone and um, season starts and I'm like, boom, here's my purpose. Let's roll. Just get through classes, play your sport. Like it's all going to come together. And, um, also, there was 
not the pressure, but the stress of wanting to make my first Olympic team. And so my freshman year, um, I figured it out, right? So it's like freshman year transition mode, figuring it out. My sophomore year, we were training for world championships, which under the Olympics is one of our largest tournaments uh, for water polo. And the first semester that I took of my sophomore year, I was driving to Long Beach, which is about a 40 minute drive from campus to Long Beach. Long Beach is where the Olympic Training Center was. And I was training six hour days on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. On Tuesday, Thursday, I had four classes stacked and I was training with the USC team. So not only was I popping from two different styles of water polo, two different groups of women, I was also trying to manage being a student athlete in that. And every weekend we had training camps as we were preparing for this world championships, which was going to land in the following semester and in the middle of season. So I missed a month and a week. So just, just five weeks of school and my season to compete in world championships in Melbourne, Australia. So my sophomore year, was it even real life? No. Did I make it through? I don't know how, but yes, I did. And that's the way that worked. And that all led up to the end of my sophomore year. By the way, we took home gold. We were world champions. By, <laughs> by the way, also just want to place that in there. By the way, we did our job. We took care of business. And then that following year, I took the year off to train full time for the 08 Olympics, eventually making my first Olympic team and competing, winning a silver medal, which is a story in itself. Um, and then eventually coming back and finishing out my last two years of college national championship in there at the end. Um, but, you know, I, I often reflect now that I'm done with national team and, you know, college, I've been out for some time. I graduated in 2010. Here we are eight years later. Um, just how much it felt like such a quick experience, one step in this huge journey that I've had. And I wonder what would have been like if I wasn't training for the Olympics, if I wasn't a student athlete, what would my college experience be like? Would I even have gone to college, you know? Um, and so, you know, although water polo has given me so much opportunity, it's, it's a double-edged sword of how you kind of look back and reflect and you're like, wow, I could have gotten maybe a little bit more out of my college experience. Maybe I would have been more present. Maybe I, wouldn't have just been surviving at times, you know? So, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's definitely interesting. And I, I guess I went a more traditional route, let's call it, and was not a, um, an elite athlete, uh, at any point during time in college. And I definitely had a good time. Um, but I think you did the right thing. I, I really like your point of saying, like, would you have even gone to college? Because it does sound like, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to put words in anyone's mouth, but it almost sounds like if there wasn't water polo in your life, or I'm sure there would have been another sport, let's be honest about that one. But let's take sports out in general. I mean, high school, graduating high school might have been a um, kind of a stretch at that point, because it was almost like, well, I'm not getting the support I need really one of the biggest reasons were, was for moving was for support, but the other was, Oh, and by the way, you know, there's this awesome sport that I can continue to play. It'll be significantly easier down there. So it's just one of those things where, you know, thankfully it happened the way it did, but if it didn't, um, obviously things would be significantly, significantly different. So we're glad we're happy. We get you on our side. We kept you, um, got to represent us a couple of times. So you say 
that, um, you know, obviously your freshman year transition, that's the same for everybody. I mean, whether you're a student athlete or not, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. You don't really know what's going on. Sophomore year being just a crazy, crazy time with training. And I mean, how did you just take that like six weeks of a, I mean, the semester is what, like 10 weeks long, you know, what, what was taking more than half of it off? Did you just have to smash in all that time at the end or, or kind of, how did you even, how was the school okay with it? Like being able to do that? So you would do the prep work, you do whatever finals or papers while you're on the road, study hall, that kind of thing. Um, our national team manager managing us to make sure that we are communicating with our colleges and making sure that all of that work is done appropriately and then coming back and just kind of grinding out to, to the end of it. Um, and so there are ways of doing it. I'm incredibly fortunate to have, a, you know, the support of professors and the university to allow us to do both, not only represent USC, but also represent our country and knowing the weight in that and, you know, where, where we wanted to go with that because this was definitely a stepping stone to prepping for the 2008 Olympic Games and a huge part, you know, of our success rolling into the Olympics. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of fuzzy in regards to exactly how it all got done, but, you know, in the, in, looking at the bigger version that that was it that's yeah i don't know how you would have been able to do that i definitely wouldn't have so thankfully you were the one that got to do that so tell us a little bit about the 2008 games um what they were like the experiences you had this was beijing if i'm not mistaken um so you know tell us a little bit about that you said there was a little story in there with winning silver medal something tells me um gold was a uh, as the absolute um goal at all times so just I guess first tell us what the experience itself was like I mean you're 19 20 years old going to the Olympics what are the emotions you feel and then I guess tell us about the games themselves and kind of what happened along with that sure so I had turned 21 the day before we left and was the youngest on the team at the time and you know it it's interesting as the youngest and your first Olympics and everything I mean again I had I was I don't remember much, you know, I was so terrified. You're so locked in, you're trying to do everything in a way that's going to lead to success. And, you know, I think it, again, if I look back, I wish I would have done it differently, but I got the chance to, to organize that and do it a little bit differently the next two around. But um, yeah, I mean, we were a young team. There was only three returners from the 2004 team on the 2008 team, which you know, I mentioned this because that can make a really big difference in regards to your leadership and comfortability and how you get through some of these experiences. So we had three returners, you know, great leaders. They were, I think this was their, this would have been their third Olympic game. So they were not novice by any means. And so they took care of us in regards to that. And, um, yeah, we had been undefeated for a year and a half going into the tournament, even being one of the youngest, uh, most inexperienced, inexperienced team. And um, we headed over to China. We went over there early and we had scheduled a training camp with Holland. And what that looks like is essentially we do just extra scrimmages and we practice together in that way you know, we're getting a pulse on another team, we're getting into the flow of things, and we get to play someone else besides each other, which uh, is always good. And we're playing in these scrimmages in China prior to the Olympic Games, and we are beating them like 20 to 3, 19 to 4, 
um, you know, 15 to two. I mean, we are destroying them, which is a great feeling and a good place to be. Okay, awesome. So we get through that phase and now the phase is moving into the village and, you know, doing all of that stuff, which is all exciting and the opening ceremonies and still in trying to enjoy it, but yet be very much focused. And I felt I was more focused than in the enjoying realm at that time, being young and fearful that I was going to get off track at any point. Um, and then we started working our way through the tournament and we, you know, we're just checking teams off the list. Um, and we put ourselves in a position to, we won our bracket, got a bye game, played in the semifinals against Australia, got our job done there. And here we are looking at the final games of the 2008 Olympics. And who are we playing? Is it Holland? It's Holland. That's awesome. I mean, I, it's unfortunate we lost, but like, what are the chances that all happens, man? That's awesome. So that, I think, had a really big, um, you know, it had a really big effect on how this all went. So here we are, we're playing Holland. And I, I, I when I look at my experience, and I'm speaking from my experience only, so I can't share what my coaches or teammates felt, you know, maybe what went a little bit wrong or off but we're favored for gold. We dominated Holland and I think we relaxed. We relaxed in a, a few different ways, but um, you know, our pregame talk was a little bit different than usual. And then we went into warm up and we were prepping for that. And the game before us went into overtime. We hadn't really planned what was it going to be like if the game before us went to overtime? So half of us went to warm up, the other half stayed in the waiting room and there's a bit of disconnect there. I think we're nervous, but maybe we're also a little bit relaxed because we think we've got it, but you don't ever really think you got it in the finals of an Olympic game, but maybe it's way back in the little teeny tiny space in the back of your head, you know, and we go in and immediately we're down four zero down four zero. And that's enough to shake anyone. And we start scratching back, scratching back, scratching back. And here we are now there's 20 seconds left in the game. Final quarter, 20 seconds. We have 20 seconds to try to tie this game. We're down by one. We bring it into the huddle. We're talking. We're pumping up. We're doing all the nine yards. And we go back out there. We set up our offense. Ref blows the whistle. Ball's thrown into play. And we're moving the ball around, moving the ball around. The ball comes into me at set. I kick it out to Elsie. Elsie picks the ball up. She fakes three times hard. She shoots at the cage. It hits the cage, the bar, and lands right in front of my teammate, which is perfect. Luck of the draw. Now we're at eight seconds. Teammate scoops the ball up, shoots it. Now we're at six seconds. Goalie blocks it, lands in front of her again. She scoops the ball up again. Four, three, two, shoots it, gets blocked again. Buzzer rings, and it feels like a horse has kicked me in my chest. Like physically, all of the air came out of me. Like I could hear it leaving my body, like, you know, and we had just lost in the finals of the Olympic games. And it wasn't the gold medal. It wasn't disappointing my country. It wasn't disappointing my family. It was literally, I had to swim across the pool, get out and look my teammates in the eyes, knowing that we didn't get the job done. And it by far was the most painful experience in my career for sure hands down and it was hard to step onto that podium with a smile at the end of all of this now 
obviously winning a silver medal is um, pretty amazing. Okay. And it, we came home, it might've, it could have might as well have been gold, right. With all the love and support we received, but that experience has a lot to do with what 12 looked like and our success and what 16 looked like and our success. And I don't know if I didn't have that experience, if I would cherish respect and put in and organize myself in such a way and share with others in such a way um, if I didn't have that experience of 2008. Yeah, I mean, that is, um, that is a, a movie. Um, to say the least, like if that hasn't been made into a movie yet, I don't know why. Cause like, I mean the cockiness, yeah, I can understand you being relaxed naturally. Um, but also at the same time, like it is storybook, how you face the team that you've just demolished over and over again. You pretty much made your doormat at that point and you get to face them. And the, I mean, if you, like, there's no real person out there that wouldn't be like, oh, like we got this. Like, of course we got this. We, we made this team. This is a joke. I mean, this is easy. Of course we got this. Go out. If we play our worst game, we're still going to come out on top. And clearly that did not happen. And it's unfortunate. But at the same time, again, you know, one of these things that might be looked at as a setback now can now be, you know, with the power of hindsight and understanding of, okay, well, that means two more opportunities you personally had. And I'm sure there was a couple other girls if the team was as young as it was, had the opportunity. One thing I do have a question about with that team specifically, you said there was three members that were on their third Olympics and then everyone else was brand new. What was that dynamic like? Like, Obviously, they're looked at as veteran leaders, as I'm assuming you were these, this last Olympics or even the last two Olympics. What was that look like? How, like, that means there's a slightly significant age gap in there. I mean, what, a minimum of six years, possibly? I obviously don't know. But, you know, what was that like in kind of them and the rest of the team? How did that age difference and veteran leadership, did that affect anything along the way or anything like those? Because I feel like that's a pretty big discrepancy. Yeah, I don't think that them being returners and us being newbies was affected anything. I think, you know, again, my experience, I think we played a lot for our coach in that quad. And I think that there is a huge difference in when you play for the man on the deck and when you play for the girls in the pool. And when you hit adversity and you're playing for the girls in the pool, you turn inward. When you hit adversity and you're playing for the guy in the deck, you turn outward to him. And at the end of the day, he's not in there with us. So I think we lacked a little bit of ownership. And, you know, whether that was us creating that or the coach creating that, you know, I think that's up for discussion, you know, whatever. Um, but I think that we were, we were lacking a little bit of ownership of who we were. And I think, you know, it's hard, but it, I think we couldn't, we couldn't catch our coach when we're missing things, you know, our, a girl had scored seven goals on us in that final game. And I didn't know until I walked through the media mix after the game. And they said, how did it feel to have De Bruyne score seven goals on you? And I said, I didn't even know, you know? And so it's like, 
how do you get to the point where you're so outer body experience of this, this game and what's happening, you know, and how are you so detached from it and who do you lean on and how did we get so far away from supporting each other to where like maybe one person in the huddle could have said, she's on her fourth goal. She's on her fifth goal. <laughs> Let's shut her down, you know? Um, so, you know, there's things that we had fallen apart a little bit. And I think, you know, that has to do with how we engineer from the beginning our, our, our bond. Damn. Yeah. Really all I can say to that. Um, obviously, super deflating event happens. You win your second best in the world at something. Let's then put it into perspective. As you said, like silver medal is incredible. Obviously, gold was number one goal. It feels like you should have won from the story you've told us. I'm sure Holland... Um, they have opinions on the event as well. Clearly they walked away with it. So they don't even care what it should have been. It, it is what it is. So how does an event like that not like, how did you then take that and utilize it moving forward, obviously into them winning national championships with um, college and not let that just completely deflate you in which it sounds like it possibly could have to you or any of the other girls. Right. I think where I got lucky and I don't realize it, I didn't realize it until having a few more transitions. Um, but I was already four days late for school, um, when returning from Beijing. So, you know, I arrive on campus. My parents had already moved my whole dorm room in and I'm like, okay, it's time for school, you know? And so it's like, you're attending classes, you're you know, starting to get organized and time management, all the things, all this familiarity you're falling into right away. And, um, you know, and you got a new team and you've got to go back to practice and you got to start focusing on SC. And I don't think I really dealt with the pain and all of that. I think I just dove into the next thing right away. And I think in a lot of ways it was awesome to have that. And I think in a lot of ways, um, it delayed dealing with what all the feelings that I came from. It was literally like got a slap in the face. And then I was like, Whoa, okay, just keep going. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think it was like nice to go into something right away. And again, I'm like having to be a freshman all over again. Cause I just took a year off of like hiding in a pool every day for a year. So like, again, how do you be social? How do you interact with people? How do you like, take a deep breath and like start getting through stuff and, you know, being a student again. And it's all stuff that I turned off for a year and didn't think about once as I was like eyes on the prize to getting gold. And then, um, you know, I think my junior year was really tough because I had learned all of this stuff in training full-time for the Olympics. And I had to figure out how I was going to bring it back, but also find my role on the team and, you know, probably dealing with my insecurities but here <laughs> this is insane the dutch goalie came and was my goalie my junior year so i literally just lost the gold medal to her and then i had to be her teammate and like i had to find a way to love that girl and think like man you got my back now after you just robbed me of something that was so not robbed me i mean i had to get we had to get the job done but man i forgot about that i haven't thought about that for like years jeez 
That's insane. That is absolutely insane. What? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how's that for a dynamic? And you know, there's a bit of that with like the national team as well, because we all play at these top schools and we all beat each other up in NC2As and there's always a winner. There's always a loser. And four days later, we start our first summer camp with national team. And it's like, okay, I want to low key murder you, but I have to love you. And now it's USA and it's not, you know, USC, UCLA, Stanford, or, you know, it's like, we're all wearing the same suit now. And that's kind of like my learnings from that. I really had to incorporate with um, our new Dutch goalie at USC. <laughs> Who now I'm like, I still, she's like my teammate. We share this experience. We share this bond. And, you know, if I'm ever there, I'll see her and we're cordial. And yeah, wild. That is wild. I'm really glad you had that realization for the first time in a little while. I think that's pretty cool. Very candid. And I love that candid, authentic, genuine. I love it. So you go, you crush it, you win uh, your title, your senior year, if I'm not mistaken, this is a couple years then away from 2012. So after school, you're now able to kind of get back into just training mode. So I guess take us through 2010 to 2016. And then we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there. Yeah, so um, I had one more semester. So we won 2010 National Championship, and we had five seniors on that team. We had gone, you know, three years of losing and then eventually got it my senior year. And it was like we made some serious sacrifices. We had shared leadership, which was fantastic. We, we just really got it right. And it's so cute watching all of our interviews after winning that national championship because it's like we're all every single one of us is bawling this team deserved it you know it was like we really did what we needed to do and I think like in college you're trying to balance and figure out kind of your engagement and commitment to these things as you're trying to be a student an athlete and have a social life but um these girls went full tilt in regards to like instead of just saying we're going to do it, we followed through with it and it all just like played out beautifully. So that was, that was awesome and well-deserved and so, so proud to have had that experience. And one of still my top highlights in my career was winning a national championship my senior year. So, so cool. Um, and then finished my last semester and then I went overseas and played professionally in Greece for a team called Olympiacos and um, did that got that under my belt, came back and then started training full time for London. Um, and it was back to the drawing board, new group, new girls, you know, new team to start working in towards and, you know, how are we going to take our last experience, make this experience better, creating this ownership of our team, really having strong respect and love for each other. Although we weren't all best friends, there was lots of love and lots of respect for what we we're doing. I mean, London was just for me it you know just the work winning our first gold medal as a country the just the work that we put in as a team to create relationships I mean at this point we had seven returners from the 2008 team and it was like we are not gonna mess this up again we do not want anyone to feel this way ever again and you know, there was a moment where we really had to have a kumbaya meeting of like new girls that are on the team now. I will promise you, we won't let you feel this way, but you have to understand the weight and the work that you have to put in so that we don't feel this way. And don't take it lightly because it will knock your socks off to lose in the biggest moment. 
Um, and so, I mean, really great relationships were built, great bonds were built. Um, and the culture really started to shift. We had a new coach at the time as well. That I think was a big part of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was no, there's no better feeling than to hear United States being called stepping onto the top of the podium. I can't share that those details without crying and then watching your flag being lifted. I mean, the best, the best. That's just incredible. Thank you so much. Um, again, authentic, genuine, candid. I, I absolutely love it. And, and clearly you're, you're extremely passionate about it. And that's why, again, I'm doing what I'm doing because I think that there's a way, um, you know, you guys deserve a lot more for everything that you've done. Obviously, this story alone um, is absolutely incredible. Um, we're still not finished with it, which I that's my favorite part. I keep getting, I get to get to keep talking to you. So I guess one question, how, how did you balance, you know, as you said, the first Olympics you went to in 08, you didn't get to enjoy that much, but you were a laser focused. How were you able to balance the enjoyment factor in 2012 with also saying, I mean, even more laser focused, if I may, like at that point, like how are you then able to kind of find not time, but find energy to actually go out and enjoy the Olympics? I think at that point, um, not only within our training process, even at my age where I was and having it be my second Olympics, but I was far more comfortable in my own skin. Um, I had space to find my own leadership role within that team. Um, that team allowed me to feel good about who I was. And so there was a lot more confidence in like the flexibility of the experience and having my eyes open a little bit more and having it be my own rather than being told how it was going to be. You need to act this way. You need to be a certain way. It was all of a sudden I had ownership of me. We had ownership of the team and we were in it together rather than being kind of like told how to do it or how mm -hmm. to experience it. And so I think that gave me a lot of room to enjoy London and have a little bit more fun with it. Um, and it, it was just more fun, you know, with the relationships we had and the space to kind of enjoy. And, you know, the girls always laugh about this one story. There's a big box in the hallway of our apartments. It was the boys were on one end of the apartment, the girls were on the other, both water polo. And they had gotten some big box of like Crocs or something. So I hid in it and every person who came out of the elevator was popping out and scaring them. So we went from like one person watching to me scaring. And then eventually it was like three people were hiding behind the wall watching me scare. And then it was like, eventually we had like 12 or 15 people like crying, rolling on the ground as we keep scaring people coming off the elevator and just having those moments knowing that like this is the biggest moment but there's time to enjoy and be silly and keep it keep it feeling normal i mean i think people don't realize like what did it feel like to be at the olympic games it's the biggest tournament it's the biggest thing and it's people don't realize we train every day to make every day feel like the olympics so when we get to the olympics it's just another tournament another game and there's a balance of enjoying the magnitude of it, but also, you know, knowing that you have trained for the magnitude of it and not making it seem so crippling, right? Like if it's going to be the biggest thing of your life, there's no way you're going to get through it. You make it another thing in your life. And so it's kind of like, it's this interesting mental mind game that you play with yourself as an athlete of like, here we are, this is it. But also like, we've been here, let's just do what we always do. Have some fun, play some water polo, kick some butt, 
get the job done. <laughs> Love it. And I don't, I don't sound like that when I ask my questions, do I? No. Oh, okay, good. No, I'm, no, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. But I think it's like, you know, it's like how it's the one box and it's like, man, there's so much work that goes into it. We're so ready. You know? Mm -hmm. No. Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. I totally, and that's that is a funny story. And I'm sure you know this is 2012, so iPhones were around long enough that there are some awesome pictures, I'm sure, and awesome videos of that. I'm not going to ask him for it, I'm not going to ask you for it, but if you send one to me, I'm not going to be angry. So then you guys obviously go, you won that one now on to 2016. And I don't mean to be ramping this part of the story up as if it's not important, but obviously we are on a little bit of a time crunch. So I want to make sure that we get to all the things necessary. So tell us about 2016, getting ready for it, and obviously again subsequently back to back gold medal winners yeah um young team young team and just you know for me being older and veteran it was all about like teaching them everything that i learned for, through the first two processes um that i'm sorry to cut you off were you the only how many members from the 08 team were still there with you just me you were the only one correct so I was okay oh eight and then we had um i believe four or five of us from 12 on that team. So not a huge amount, but, um, enough. And then, um, and then the rest were young. I mean, I had 17, two 18 year olds, a 17 year old. I mean, we got young and I, I went into that final games at 29. So there was a huge age difference. And so for me, it was like, how was I going to connect? How was I going to make all those younger girls feel good and comfortable in their own skin? How are they going to, you know, find their own leadership roles and step into their space? And so I worked really hard in regards to that personally. Um, but if I was going to talk about the, this team, I mean, we were so athletic, so talented. These girls could be pushed and I could feel Adam pushing us harder and harder and harder as he was trying to find ways to break these girls in somewhere or the other and create adversity. And I'm over here dying because it's my third quad. Like, please, enough of these conditioning sets. And the girls are, you know, bouncing up and down off the bottom of the pool singing to like Taylor Swift. I'm like, if you guys don't act like you're tired, I'm going to kill you because I'm dying. And you guys are like, cool, let's do another swim set. But I, <laughs> that just speaks to like, the youth, the energy, the, you know, athleticism. I mean, these girls were just weapons and they continue to be, and you're still looking at that same type of team right now. And they were mobile and dynamic and explosive. I mean, and we trained, in my opinion, we trained harder than anyone else in the world. Like we were training six and a half hours a day, six days a week. And again, like we were going out and destroying and having, you know, like once we clicked in dynamic wise, I mean, we're destroying teams and it was Adam's job to figure out how to create adversity and how to create failure within, you know, our trainings and stuff. And I'm like, I'm failing. I feel it. It's working coach, you know, and the other girls are like, oh, this is hard, you know? Um, so it was just interesting, the difference in perspective and, um, you know, we won our final game like by six points or five points against Italy. And that's just like, that's the finals of the Olympics. I mean, it was, it just doesn't happen. And it just is a testament to, you know, the girl's ability to just grind out be you know, get to that fitness level and freakish skills of man, just being incredible athletes in general. And, um, it's pretty cool to continue to watch them be as dynamic and fit and athletic and, 
you know, I can feel really proud about the things that I've left with them, left in the water, you know, my imprint on the culture of USA water polo, women's water polo, and, um, you know, all the different experiences, you know, I've always been very open and vulnerable and authentic in sharing a lot of what I've shared with you, with them, um, and hoping that they can always keep a little pieces of that in their mind as they're preparing that you're not always going to get the outcome that you want. And you always want to be your truest version of yourself and you need to respect the process and you need to love each other and you want to play for the girls in the pool, not the guy on the deck. And, you know, the way that you prepare is a huge part of the entire process and what you're going to get out of it. And these are all little things that I try to live on a daily basis while going through the experience, which is, you know, incredibly hard because there's no truer way to learn yourself than being broken every day. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, something that it was really important to me to have those standards and represent myself that way and lead by example. So I'm excited now to be in the bleachers and cheering them on. Um, I'm excited to see what they do. It's so their time. I'm happy to pass the torch um, in my retirement. I'm 31, you know, a fourth quad, potentially knock on what a fourth gold medal for those girls or a third gold medal would be amazing. But I am so happy, so happy with what I've learned and gained and the friendships and the experiences and the countries and the people. And it's, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything more in such a beautiful celebration last week in regards to my retirement. Um, it's been a fun ride and there's a gazillion stories that go along with it. Uh, and we've gotten a few of them and I'm sure there's a couple more that are not suitable for uh, recording. So we'll leave it at that. But Cami, this has been absolutely amazing. I mean, so I guess retirement, what's next for you? I mean, as, as of recording, you retired, what, like a week ago, this is super fresh. So I don't mean to be pushing you too far in one direction, but like what, what's next for you? What do you see for yourself? Are you going to be a coach? Are you going to be a clinic worker? How exactly what, what's, uh, what's coming up around the bend? Sure. So um, I have been dabbling in broadcasting, doing color commentating for our sport, which has been fantastic. Um, if you're following our men's water polo collegiate season at all, I will be broadcasting this fall the UCLA USC game and the USC Cal game. So please listen to that. And I look forward to kind of gathering games along the way as I begin to grow that skill and craft that skill. Um, I am a, the co-founder of Camps for Champs. Um, my other partner in that is teammate Kaylee Gilcrest, who I competed in 2016 with. And we have um, a huge focus in our camps on team building and confidence building. So we do a lot of out of the water work and then we'll jump in and go through, you know, the average water polo camp. But um, that being one of my biggest, you know, leadership roles and something that was really important to me happy to have built that for camps for champs with Kaylee. And she was a huge teammate that shares kind of the same leadership roles. And then lastly, I'm, I'm mentoring athletes through a program called rise athletes. Um, it's, uh, a, a four month mentorship program. And basically you have an Olympian in your pocket. So I'm working closely and I've worked up to with 16 um, young female athletes in all kinds of sports, water polo, soccer, ice hockey, rock climbing, volleyball, track and field, you name it. And um, having these girls kind of build 
their standards, their goals, and start working in the direction in which they want to go. And um, it's a type of coaching. Maybe I'm not on a pool deck, but it's the coaching that I've really enjoyed through the process of water polo and um, pretty cool to be a small part of the next generation of female athletes coming up. That's incredible. Giving back so much. You're definitely filling up your time. Um, as we talked about throughout this episode, you wanted to do that and always kind of worked with you. And that was your medication, filling up your time, making sure you're doing something, keeping your brain moving in that direction. So that is incredible. I love it. Um, thank you so much. One more time. Um, I'm going to get all the links so that everybody can check all that stuff out. I think it'll be incredible. And congratulations on the commentating. I mean, you're very well spoken as we found out over the last couple minutes, a uh, couple minutes, last hour and a half almost at this point. Um, and, you know, I just think it's, it's been an incredible, it's, it is an incredible story. It's clearly not over yet. You have so much ahead of you. You're so excited. You're so young too. I mean, that's the craziest thing. Like you've been doing this thing for your entire life and at 31, I mean, you got 60 more years to live and now you got to fill up your time. So clearly you're doing a pretty good job at that. You're staying within the sport with the color comment commentating and all that. So helping out female athletes that are coming up. So again, Cami Craig, three-time Olympic athlete, two-time gold medalist on the USA water polo. Cami, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you. Go USA. <laughs> and USC, the real USC. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. Our athletes podcast is just a fun project of mine to do. I truly believe that these athletes, Olympic athletes, even the hopefuls, nobody really knows what goes into it. And that's why I try and do this. I want to, I want to help people understand what they have to do on a daily basis for us to really only pay attention to them, unfortunately, once every four years. So I really hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys could rate, comment, share, tell your friends about it, do whatever you got to do. I really think that these stories are incredible and inspirational and more people should really listen to them for, again, for the amount of blood, sweat, tears, money, energy that our athletes are putting into the um, trying to make it to the games, I really do believe the least we can do is listen to how they got there. So thank you guys so much for listening. I sincerely appreciate it and I hope you have a wonderful day.